0: I've been a marked man ever since I won the Royal Rumble this year. it's only going to get worse, Jack. Take a look at me for God's sake. You can't look so good, talk so fun, and have the God-given ability and not be the envy of every superstar backstage in the WWF and on main event status radio. I found it necessary to find a man to watch my back. You want to know who this guy is? Tonight... I will show you, debut, debut, this man. This bodyguard of mine is big, he's bad, he's vicious. He's the one, the only, Vicious Hills.
1: See, I bet millions of people around the world are asking why. Why take another chance on a bodyguard when Diesel turned his back on you when times got tough? See, we sat down and talked and he realized, Hills, you are a man with no feelings, no remorse for any living soul. And second, more importantly, I will be by his side when times are good and the times are bad. Ah! This is simple. The heartbreak dog and myself, we will rule the world because I am the man they call Hills. From the
0: intersection of Sunset Boulevard and mastery Street, Minnesota, you dog downloaded Maine, Events, Status, Radios, with your host, Mister Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog Dirt. Dogs World! Dogs World! Party time! Excellent! Woo!
1: Wow! Yeah,
0: yeah! Party on, Beverly! Party on, dog! Welcome to Minute Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. Here is Mister Beverly Hills nine zero
2: two one Thrills. How's going today, Beverly? Oh, it's going wonderful. It's a lovely Saturday morning. It's snowing a little bit outside, but you know, can't complain too much. How about you? At least we're here. In the
0: basement, recording Dog's World, episode one.
2: Dog's World. I love that. (laughs) You're always always in Dog's World, Beverly. I would certainly be the Garth to your Wayne. (laughs) I'll say I had
0: to do the intro because Saturday Night Live uh, celebrated their 40th anniversary last weekend. Yeah. And I am sad you did not catch it last week in Beverly Hills.
2: Uh, I lived it. I love <laughs> the whole forty years. Everybody knows I'm sixty years old. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know why I said
0: that. <laughs> oh, Beverly.
2: I don't know. I like I like it Saturday Night Live, but I don't love it that much.
0: Too it's just yeah, like yeah, I was just saying the just the few episodes episodes I've caught within the last <laughs> few years. I'm not really too. <laughs> I'm not really
2: that entertained by this current crop of cast. Sure, fair enough. Yeah, if ever there's anything good, I just, like, watch the YouTube clips, so. Yeah, so yeah, I'll laugh. I don't know the, the, gosh, I don't know when the last time I've watched a whole Saturday Night Live has been. I bet it's been 10 years. Well, well I was to say, for me, it probably would have been
0: about, I guess, maybe a year and a half or so ago when Justin oh, Beamer wow. was guest hosting. <laughs> oh, God. Whatever he was in a swag 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 on uh, me yeah
2: who do you weirdly like more oh Justin Bieber or bill Mercer <laughs> <laughs> both is, of them are super strange but who do you like more it depends on what podcast I'm I'm uh, on <laughs>
0: right. because uh, one we with a podcast that Captain Obvious did that we had on as a couple time guest on his oh. podcast, I'm a known <laughs> I'm known as a big Justin Bieber fan. And on What a Maneuver with Joel and Eric that we had on once, Ready on their podcast, I'm the big Bill Mercer fan.
1: I think you're the
2: only big Bill Mercer fan.
0: That's fine. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I watched some of the Saturday Night Live 40 episode last weekend. Only. Uh, I think I caught like the last hour or so of it, and I feel like the only good segment, or the only segment I enjoyed, was the Wayne's World episode, or Wayne's World segment. To be honest,
2: well, I love Wayne's World. Uh, Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two are two of my favorite movies of all time. I've probably watched the first Wayne's World fifty times. Maybe maybe a hundred like to be totally honest I watched that probably way too early so now looking back a lot of the jokes like cream Sung young Guy have <laughs> gained more laughs for me you know as opposed to what I was watching when I was like seven which like I said probably shouldn't have been but I don't know the VCR was my babysitter sometimes so just <laughs>
0: As I, say, as I say, you would get along a lot with Daddy Sunshine and our other brother, Nate, when we were growing up, because Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2 were Daddy Sunshine's favorite movies that he made us watch all the time.
2: Well, then I gotta I think there should be a Wayne's World cast with me and Daddy Sunshine. Yes.
0: So, yeah, then I, I was extremely happy to see uh, Bill Murray last week as well, and Dan Aykroyd, because I was a big Ghostbusters fan. Right. So it was great to see them. It was a ca- I didn't catch the gal's name who played uh Matt Fo- Matt Foley's or Matt Foley uh Chris Farley's character.
2: Oh, I heard it. Wasn't it Emma
0: Stone? Yeah, th- yeah, Emma Stone sounds right yeah. So yeah, she played a uh, Matt Foley and all that which I mean, went through the weekend updates on the de- announcer's desk table which made me laugh. Right. So I yeah, I felt like it was nice. they showed a bunch of classic clips from over the years and Tried right. to do some, you know, like we could update with different uh, hosts that that uh, was on it and all the fun stuff. So it was nice to see some throwback. As well always nice to see kind of uh, modern twist to classic segments like Wayne's World.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. And I mean, for people who really like it or whatever, who really wanted to see those folks, like, back, that's cool. I'm with it. I'm not against it. I just didn't watch it. Yeah, well, yeah,
0: because <laughs> it was nice to see... Will Ferrell I Mike Myers, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Mur, uh, Bill Murray, well, Bill Murray, Adam Sandler, and all Bill that. Bill
2: Mercer, you almost said that Bill Mercer was yes. on. Yes. The Saturday Night Live thing. Now, how? Here's a past to present. Uh-oh. How would Saturday Night Live have been different, and the history of Saturday Night Live been different, if Bill Murray had been replaced with <laughs> Bill Mercer?
0: I think that that he, few years, Bill Bill Murray was on uh, I don't think that those that cast would have been as popular <laughs> if Bill Mercer would have been in no, it.
1: What if
2: their careers had been switched and Bill Mercer had been in Ghostbusters and all the rest of those movies and Bill Murray had been the announcer of world class championship wrestling. I think better, worse, the same. I think the movies aspect would be worse. <laughs> the announcing aspect would
0: probably be better. So it all depends on what you want.
2: Can you picture Ghostbusters with Bill Mercer?
0: <laughs> just, I'm just imagining this this scene where Bill Murray gets
2: slotted by, by Slimer. <laughs> I'm picturing Bill Mercer trying to seduce Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> the only thing he has to do is just put her in a sleep hold. No! <laughs> Bill, that's against the law.
0: <laughs> Whatever.
2: So yeah, I just
0: wanted to talk about SNL a little bit. So since yeah, they celebrated their 40th anniversary last weekend.
2: Sorry for sidetracking us into a Bill Mercer.
0: That's just, that's you know. fine. Like like I said before we started recording, uh, it seemed like last month the opening segment of Minivan Event Status Radio has become Pop Culture Status Radio. <laughs> yeah. Well, there've been some good pop culture moments. Fair enough. So uh, tonight we are reviewing ninety 99th episode of Monday Night Raw. Yes. Taped and aired on Monday, February 20th, 1995 at the Macon Coliseum in Macon, Georgia.
2: You got it. Right in WCW country. They're kind of throwing some blows there, right? Macon, Georgia. That's a longtime WCW hotbed. Do you know how far away Macon, Georgia is from Atlanta? I don't. But I get my, but I bet my friend Google does. Google,
0: knows almost everything, Beverly.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, Ma- yeah, Macon, and then you know it's Macon's kind of a famous place. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Just like Beverly Hills is a famous B. place.
2: Johnny Bad is, is built from Macon, Georgia.
0: <laughs> is that why McMahon wanted to have host Raw there because of Johnny Badd?
2: No, it's because he looks like Little Richard. (laughs) It's an hour and 15 minutes away.
0: Oh, so not not too far away then.
2: south. it's actually fairly close to Ron Simmons' hometown of Warner Robins, Georgia. Damn! He's got a mean left hook.
0: (laughs) So according to my Roku, (laughs) this episode of Monday Night Raw is all about Shawn Michaels' Joining the King's Court with a surprise, WWE champion Diesel defends the gold against Intercontinental Champion Double J. Yes. To be honest, Beverly Hills, with the match that we watched from Action Zone the other week with yep. Owen Hart and Diesel for the title, I was halfway excited for the main event tonight.
2: No, I was excited for this when when he ran down when uh sorry when the man ran down the like plan for the night, I was like, whoa, finally, like we get a couple, I don't know kind of headline matches so well, I'm one headline match really, but um and a notable, kind of a notable King's court it seems like the last two that we've watched have just kind of been like glorified interview segments like the one with backland the one with Jarrett at the time i guess didn't didn't really seem like it was advancing any type of storyline so this one having the the bodyguard reveal i think was finally something where you know i was happy to see it
0: yeah because i realized when i was watching the main event that this episode was one of the few episodes I was randomly looking through when we first started the podcast that I wanted to re- wanted to review this this um, pod- this episode of RAW because of the main event. Sure. Currently, I don't remember watching this main event live, but just seeing you know Jeff Jeffers' vs. Diesel. I was kind of I was halfway excited just because of how I felt how I felt the Owen Hart Diesel match that we watched was better than I expected. So I'm not gonna go to you know s- reveal what uh, I don't want us to, i don't want us to reveal what we feel about the match until we get to it but to, right. as a teaser yeah <laughs> so we might as well take a quick break before we can uh, catch our breath and we'll be back with our review of Monday night Raw from february twentieth
2: nineteen ninety five all right a little bit of a break needed for me too I need to go get my laundry out of the dryer because I think my uh, neighbor wants to use it. Back in one minute.
1: The following announcement has been paid for by the new world order. I'm the dog
2: Stymus
0: here with Dusty Hills. Not plugging my trucks, not plugging my
1: Jeeps, but plugging
0: Burdick's Pepsi.
1: Oh, dog Stymus! you know, when I get down to your... Car Emporium, I don't even know what you're going to have for me. Is it going to be Jeep's, the Hilt? Oh, no, talk about my trucks today. No, today we're talking about the Pepsi, brother. We're talking about the the Mountain Dew, all the great Pepsi products. You know, I don't know why St. Cloud State got rid of the Pepsi, brother. Because the dog Stamis is the best Pepsi deliverer in the planet. Woo! talk about it, Stamis. Screw (laughs) Coca-Cola, screw Mill
0: Yellow, Pepsi is the way to go. Welcome to Macon, Georgia. (laughs) Welcome to the 99th episode of Benefit Status Radio
1: Raw. I am
0: the Dirty Doc McMahon. Joining me this week is Beverly E. (laughs) Cornett.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, this was a good one. We said it before the break, but this was a good one. Bacon, Georgia, home of Otis Redding, Little Richard, the Allman Brothers Band. But tonight, it's home to Monday Night Raw. Which I was ex- kind of
0: excited to uh, have a different kind of opening from McMahon before we get the classic rock intro. Right, uh-huh. Yeah, how McMahon runs down. The main event match where Diesel defend his World Wrestling Federation championship against the Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett. We also see Shawn Michaels on the King's Court and Bam Bam Bigelow is back.
1: Yes, I'm, he
2: ex- is. I'm excited it's to see the Bam Bam back. This this was the the Bam Bam Bigelow suspension was very um john cena like yeah. <laughs> when he's when he's been suspended or when he's been fired and he's appeared on every raw there's not been a raw that bam bam biggle hasn't been on in his 30 in his 30 that's, days that's suspended. true yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair enough i guess i didn't i didn't, think, th- I didn't think of it that way until you mentioned that <laughs> Makes me laugh too, Beverly Hills. Yes, yes. Then we get, got some pre-recorded comments from Jeff Jert talking in the mirror with his uh, lights on his jacket and, all the, and glasses going off.
2: Oh my gosh, I love it. Ha ha, tonight's the night. Rhodey's got an extra shoulder and the World Heavyweight Championship gold is going on it.
0: Then uh, Diesel comes on and says that the WWF is will be unplugged. And all that, like MTV unplugged, and Jeff Jerds, Jeff church's lights will go out.
2: Yeah, everyone's heard of MTV unplugged. Tonight is WWF unplugged because I'm gonna knock your lights
0: out. <laughs> I thought I <laughs> felt like his lines were kind of cheesy.
1: Oh
2: my gosh, terrible! And he had like his eyes were like bugged out. He is very strange delivery. It's so weird. I know. I'm looking at it, <laughs> I'm not liking it now. I didn't like it when Diesel was doing it.
0: Understandable that we got the classic Raw intro, which <laughs> I always love. Yep. It it's weird to me when I'm watching Raw from you know for for the series. It's weird not to hear my voice like on a vinyl welcoming welcoming us to the show. Okay. Just because that's our theme song.
2: Yes. <laughs> Then we get,
0: then once the uh, theme song plays, then then we hear a familiar theme song playing in the background. Bam! Bam!
2: Oh my god. It's like you were farting on the mic.
0: Yes, I was tooting. (laughs)
2: It was like, brah, (laughs) brah.
0: So Bam Bam's (laughs) theme song was playing in the background. (laughs) I
2: did not take note what the notes were saying, though. Well, they played um, some highlights from the last few weeks. Did you catch those? No. Well, okay. they, were, they,
0: were they playing uh, highlights from the whole storyline with LT and Bam yep. Bam?
2: Okay. Yep. Yep. We got Bobby Kupo saying that Taylor wasn't a wrestler. We got a clip from Bam Bam saying, Lawrence Taylor, you're a wimp. Welcome. I'm going to welcome you to the Valley of the Real Giant. And then we got... Anthony Campari question mark. It was kind of blurred because it was in the corner of the screen. Um, But he was saying, and this was actually kind of an interesting one for me. I almost want to seek out that whole interview because he was almost making it seem like they were maybe going to play the heel with LT because they were saying that he didn't really like that. The WWF was like um, encouraging the match or whatever and that he was going to file a cease-and-desist order against the, the WWF and the and Bam Bam. So I thought that one was interesting.
0: Well, I have to say, I guess I really didn't catch that, but just thinking about that, how it always seemed like, I guess last few weeks, that Vince discouraged Bam Bam whenever Bam Bam wanted to challenge LT on Raw.
2: Yeah. I don't know, I think, yeah. Unless that's just a
0: storyline that they were just playing with.
2: Well, that, I think that's the that's what they wanted to see. I think it would have been interesting if, uh, like, and me, I don't know, maybe LT wouldn't be the one. Maybe more like when Kevin Federline was at unra or whatever. But wh- if the celebrity was feeling like he wouldn't want to fight and he's be- he is being the wimp or whatever, that would be kind of an interesting take for them to go for. Interesting, but uh. Yeah, we get Bam
0: Bam Bigelow being welcome back for his match back with Teddy DiBiase in his corner taking on let's see if I let's see how bad I butchered this guy's last name.
2: Well they didn't even they didn't put even put it on the screen, so all you have to do is just listen to Vince say it. And Gar- then say it the same
0: way. Gary Sebaug? ba. Say ba.
2: Just listen to how Vince says it.
0: <laughs> say ba.
2: Say bah, yeah.
0: Say I'll just type that in my notes. All right,
2: because you, I- you can call him Italian Stallion because that was his old. Okay,
0: uh, tell tell us about Gary Sabah.
2: <laughs> Gary Sabah <laughs> was <laughs> is way more well known as the Italian Stallion. He wrestled on the first Starcade. Oh, did he? he? Yeah, he wrestled um, in <sighs> Crocker Promotions for a long time as. Uh, um, not quite a jobber, like one rung up from that. Uh, he was in the Crockett Cup twice, even getting a win when him and Kendall Wyndham were partners in it. Um, so yeah, he's he was, pr- I'd say, pretty well known. Like, if you followed NWA in the 80s, uh, you probably know who the Italian Stallion is. Um, well, so he would
0: be since he said he was a, a, jo- a step up from a jobber would he be kind of like the in between run of a jobber in a, in a mid-carder?
2: Ah uh, yeah, really low mid-carder, jobber okay. to the stars type. Okay. Um you you aren't going to see him really get many wins on TV. Oh, so he he's might, st- yeah.
0: So is he a step up from quarter buck
2: Oh yeah, no, okay. definitely up from that. Because like I I don't know. I don't know where to put him like on the run um, kind of like Coco Beware in okay. the early '90s, or like, um, I don't know, Special Delivery Jones, like in right. the '80s. Right. If you watched the WWF then, like th- that kind of level, what where again, think? like you're not really going to see him get a win on TV, but he'll maybe be competitive, that kind of thing.
0: So he's kind of like the Prince of Dorchester.
2: Nah, higher than that.
0: Okay. What did ask since the, one and, it's
2: the du- and it's the Duke of Dorchester. Whatever.
0: Since we, the one episode that it's we per- watched, re- re- reviewed of <laughs> him, you were pretty high on him, and I wasn't.
2: A throne reference, and I get right. Oh, what yeah. do you expect out to be, Beverly Hills? Sure. So yeah, when a uh, bam, well,
0: like you said, when Bam Bam came out, Bobby Cooper's highlights and you know, all that. Bam Bam was talking from Superstars ten days ago. And, yeah, and a guy named Anthony, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I can't really see it either. So,
0: Kim Papa or something like that, who was, I guess, LT's attorney, you know, read some notes and such. Then oh. the match started when they were playing, playing the footage. I didn't catch how the match started, but Gary was on top. Yep, yep. And after that video played, yeah, McMahon. He was able had,
2: to take him down.
0: Yeah, when the, after the video played, McMahon welcomed Jim Cornette to the announcer's table. Mm-hmm. I, which I was kind of, which I was excited to to catch or see how Jim how Rob would be different with Jim Cornette as a collar guy compared to Shawn Michaels.
2: Um, one trillion gazillion billion million times better. So I can definitely tell. Well, just
0: with this match, how Vince seemed different. We call the match in a different way than with Cornette than he did with Michaels from the week before.
2: It was so much better. Fair I enough. never I never want to see uh Shawn Michaels on commentary again. And think of Shawn Michaels. What's your
0: thoughts on Gary's attire tonight? That's fine. <laughs> what'd you
2: think about Gary's mullet?
0: I i I know. I took a note about that too. I wrote down, he has a mullet, but it's starting to bald.
2: <laughs> it was tremendous. His mullet—it was like he has ball. Yeah, he has bald on top, and then it's like three feet long. <laughs> yes.
0: So I felt like his attire looked like what King Kong Bundy wears, but red.
2: <laughs> but red. And then Vince said that Gary Seba was a two-time AAU champion, and then Cornette said that he was also the world's spaghetti eating champion. <laughs> <laughs> That, well as to
0: say how big he was i'm not surprised
1: yeah he was a big dude
2: and i i don't know if that's maybe lends to that's not much that's really not that much bigger than when he was at his height of popularity either did you
0: catch during the match when the fans were chanting for lt
2: yes of course
0: do you feel like that was piped in or do you think that it was actually the crowd chanting that
2: I think they're probably chanting it. It looked like I think they showed some uh, people doing it. So do you feel like,
0: feel like the the LT Bam Bam Bigelow storyline is starting to finally kick off?
2: I think I think people were into it. I think the the LT Bam Bam storyline was good. I think people liked it. What's it was- your opinion? Are you, how are you? How do you think it's progressing at this point? So far, well, just
0: you know, we haven't watched any Superstars or Action Zone, so I right. feel like
2: just on Raw, I feel
0: like it's been progressing pretty well, and we have been seeing video. I always highlight clips of of the storyline progressing if they played it on Superstars or on Action Zone.
2: Yeah, I so, liked I like the steps that they're taking. It looks, I think it looks good.
0: So so far on a road to WrestleMania 11, I am excited to see where Bam Bam L T LT takes us. Yes. So I don't. One note I did take down was Cornett uh, put over the LT won't doesn't have a, a chance to stand up against Bam Bam Law.
2: Yeah, Cornet is firmly in Bam Bam's camp. So in the match, Bam Bam he again showed off his really nice Enziguri, which he shows off a lot. Sabal was actually getting a ton of offense, a lot of, a lot of hey look, a lot of punches, a lot of. <laughs> kicks, but Bam Bam at the end, you know, he comes back and he hits him with a headbutt off the top rope for the win.
0: I know uh, one note I took down during the match was so like Tim, uh, Tim White was a referee. Yep. I was counting out Bam Bam rather quickly when Bam Bam had the chin lock on Gary. What's his name? <laughs> Gary saying
2: but,
0: uh, but yes, and yeah, Bam Bam won the match with a flat headbutt. I read uh-huh. this match one half of a star.
2: I think that's about appropriate. I went to one star, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, so I felt like it was a typical. Or it wasn't really the the typical squash match since Gary, what's his name, had some offense. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was it was okay of a match. Yeah, I felt like it helped show uh, show off Bam Bam since he supposed to have, haven't had a match in the last month.
2: Yep. Well, I mean, it's really the back. It's really the backdrop for the storyline. But they got to give Bam Bam some time. I mean, if uh, you know what we know now is this is like the main main match of uh, WrestleMania, the biggest one going in. So they're gonna have to give him some some real time, some real development to kind of showcase himself. Which makes sense because I didn't know that that. I was wondering
0: why Bam Bam was able to use his own theme song when compared to the rest, rest of the Million Dollar Corporation, they were using Million Dollar Man's theme song.
1: Yeah. So I guess,
0: you know, I, that, I didn't, wasn't thinking about that when I was watching the Rob, but after you said that, that makes sense. Sure. Then DiBiase grabbed a mic, and, uh, or yeah, or, yeah, either him or Bam Bam grabbed a mic, whatever. Bam Bammer. Bammer said that, uh, LT has been hiding behind his manager and his attorney. And called yep. call, call him a punk and a wimp. Yeah. And, and Batman will take on Lt. at any place Anytime. at any time. Any time, any place. Yep. Then we go to a commercial break. We come back with Vince telling us that we're live in Macon, Georgia. And goes over the main event match. Then we get our next match: Adam Baum versus Rip Rogers.
2: He's the leader of the Bomb Squad. The, cre- the, the creation of devastation. Perfect. Adam Bomb, hot young babyface Adam Bomb. What do you think?
0: I'm excited to re- finally review uh, another Adam Bomb match.
2: Well, I feel like I don't know much about this era of fiery babyface Adam Bomb. Same here. I, I know more about, I remember when he debuted, and we went over this on one of our first uh, um, top fives, with was top five wrestlers that scared you as a kid. He was he was definitely one of those for me. Oh yeah, with the tongue the and the glasses. Of, yeah, his eyes had the were like yellow. It freaked the shit out of me, man. I hated it when I'd watch on whatever was the syndicated program of the time when he first debuted. So I know way more about him than, than this. This is kind of the, that dark time in wrestling for me when I kind of faded out a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it was a little interesting. It was really weird to me. I don't think it worked too well. What do, you, do you think he, he worked as a baby face or what? What's your thoughts? He,
0: this match seemed okay. I was more confused. And who Rip Rogers was? Really? I well, I feel like I should know who he is since, like I said before, I listen to a Jim Cornette's podcast, and Jim Cornette is pretty high on who he is. Yeah, and, uh-huh. I, and I know he Rip Rogers was a great worker back in the day, and that's yeah, really cool. all I know about him. Yeah, I wanted to <laughs> ask, and I feel feel like I should probably I should know who he is, but I don't know who he is, Beverly.
2: Yeah, they're really good friends because um, for years when um, when Cornette ran OVW, Rip was the head trainer.
0: Okay, makes sense. So That's
2: they got they got along, and they're yeah, they go way 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 back. Um, Rip Rogers is just another one of those kind of uh, maybe a little higher than Italian Stallion, but again, someone who was right on that edge. In um, Crockett, but Rip, but Rip Rogers was also one that in other territories he he you know he would have been one of their top workers. Okay, um, makes sense. You know, sense. In, in you know Memphis and then smaller areas around the south, but he worked a lot in Pacific Northwest and was one of the um one of the top guys in there at least for a time. Okay,
0: okay. What's your thoughts on his pink jacket?
2: I was I even wrote down. Uh, What is Rip wearing? Because, yeah, he had this, like, sparkly pink jacket on, um, and then he had, like... I couldn't really tell what his shorts were. Looked like faded tie-dye tights. Yeah, yeah, that's what I decided after watching, like, three-quarters of the match. But when I first started, I was like, okay, they kind of look gray? Are they (laughs) supposed to be, like, jeans? Um, But, yeah, after... Again, like five minutes, I was like, "Oh, tie dye."
0: <laughs> yeah, t- you know, talk about his uh, tire and all that. It made me laugh that at the start of the match. McMahon and Cornett were you know, gabbing back and forth, back and forth about Rogers, and yes. uh, Cornette mentions that Rip Rogers and John Mail campaign out all the time.
2: Well, that's because Rip Rogers is the number one resident of Seymour, Indiana. You see, and. Uh, John Mellencamp is also from Indiana.
0: Makes sense cause, and I did. Write, I'm a big John Mellencamp fan, and I did write down. I wish I could hit it with Mellencamp. You are.
2: Or you are not.
0: I am a big fan. Oh, you are. Okay. I enjoy his music since it nice. seems like a lot of his songs are more philosophical in in, in the sense. <laughs> they have a lot of meaning and and all that all that in them, which I really enjoy.
2: Like R.O.C.K. in the U.S.A. Or more of his
0: other sons, and you know, all that <laughs> one song I really enjoy uh, from him is a song called Pop Singer.
2: Oh, see, I don't know that one. It's a song, I pers- know four of his bigger ones.
0: Yeah, well, it's, I, I know it's on uh, like one one uh greatest hits of his on like a 2 disc set, so they had you know room to throw it in there, but that song pretty much talks about how he never imagined himself being a pop singer. You know writing out pop songs he doesn't want to hit out with his manager he doesn't want to go to autograph signings after the show and and all that fun stuff
2: do you know that john cougar or sorry john Mellencamp once owned a arena football team called the indiana cougars no i did not but i'm not yeah. surprised with what their name was that's really weird i think this thing is it was strange that he owned a, owned a football team it don't, it didn't last very long
0: but to tie it back in with this match I felt like Rip Rogers, at least his hair aspect, was a Rick Futter knockoff. Oh, come on. Give me a break.
2: Everybody had bleach blonde hair in the 80s.
0: I didn't. Okay. Whatever. But
2: every wrestler (laughs) did to say, well, that that would be like if someone is tan and being like, oh, that's a Hulk Hogan ripoff. No, it's, it's just a thing.
0: River Beverly,
2: Whatever. gosh! You're wearing glasses. You're such a Clark Kent ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> See, <it was> like, <laughs> oh, he has hairs a Ric Flair ripoff. Come on, man!
0: You have a beard, Beverly Hills. You're a Bam Bam Bigelow ripoff.
2: No, I'm a rip. I'm a Rip Rogers ripoff. I'm a rip ripoff.
0: <laughs> you're a big rip ripoffer.
2: <laughs> so, so, anyways, yeah. So she uh, bought. started off with a shoulder black. Uh, a lot of just a lot of uh fire here, baby face fire. Um Rip is insanely loud in the ring. <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah, oh, I noticed man. that
1: yeah. oh, oh god. Oh, oh, oh.
2: so much noises from Rip Rogers. Do you think it's just because he's used to wrestling
0: and other uh territories that he has to play to approach everybody up up in the nosebleeds.
2: Well that's a- if you talk, if you listen to any of the old timers, they say that's what you gotta do. So yeah, but, that's what,
0: to me, it felt like that's what he was trying to do too—is to yep. play up to everybody up in the nosebleeds.
2: Well, and I've heard, and I watch, and I've watched a couple. I don't know what I was doing for a while. I was watching a lot of like early, want to say ninety-one, WCW, and he was kind of featured fairly heavily. I don't well, know.
0: Was it the Saturday Night uh, WCW Saturday Night episodes you were watching
2: back in the day? um could have been yeah i don't know it was on youtube or something
1: okay
2: and he and that was that was a smaller place um and he seemed a lot more accustomed there to play off the fans and stuff so i i'm sure it's a byproduct of working smaller arenas and and yeah working the crowd and stuff and, you, and i mean you know that better than anybody you attend a lot of independent shows where um working the crowd is really important because you don't have necessarily have an announcer to kind of tell you the story. So the, the wrestlers themselves have to do it. Yeah. So. Which, yeah.
0: which definitely right. helps out with a few AWF shows I've been to off and on. It does help out that the wrestlers do interact with the fans to help tell us if they're, which side of the fence they are, if they're a bad guy or a good guy.
2: Yep, exactly, exactly, and and I've heard wrestlers in interviews, you know, talk about the difference between working, a, you know, twenty thousand seat arena and working a, you know, two hundred seat high school gym, <laughs> you know, and and I feel like the the style that Rip is working definitely fits the latter more than the former. Makes sense. So, so yeah. Um, Adam Baum got to show off some of his athleticism, hitting a really, really nice standing dropkick. Which I was impressed with how tall he is. Yeah. Well, now that was literally a standing dropkick. He was looking at him, and then boom, out of nowhere, there it comes. Um, and I don't know. Even though that looked really impressive and athletic, the fact that like he's so stiffly like was just thinking, okay, here I go. <laughs> you know, with the whole... Without really any anything surrounding it. It's kinda like, Oh yeah, well this is why Adam Baum is what he is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Know, um, yeah, next note I noted was yeah, Adam Baum did a jumped over the top rope and landed on Rogers on the outside and so the fans really, in the I'm front sure. row and the hard counter side seemed to pop for it.
2: Yep. Yep. Which I was I impressed I, I, with
0: with from a bigger guy that he was able to do something like that.
2: Yeah, that looked good. Then we got Cornette talking about NASCAR. Oh, NASCAR,
1: Sterling Marlin, Dale Earnhardt.
2: Which makes sense,
0: since tomorrow, as of us recording this, is it is WWE Fastlane and the Daytona Five Hundred. <laughs> I only know that because Sexy Pet's watching the NASCAR over the pay per view tomorrow. Score, <laughs> But anyway, then yeah, I felt like Adibam hit a okay-looking back body drop. Okay,
2: I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't What's that
0: impressed with it.
2: Or you Yeah, and then he hit that side suplex, which uh, looked fairly good. I didn't. So we'll get to the finish here, I guess. Um, which is a flying clothesline, and I don't know if I mean. I guess they're maybe they're wanting to show off his athleticism, his you know ability to do high-flying stuff. I thought that Atom Bomb should have done, like, a power move. Perhaps yeah. a power bomb. Well, or yeah, you one. call it the atomic bomb or something like that. Yeah, I want to say he used that when he was a heel, but... Yeah, I
0: agree with you on that. I want to get your rating for this match before I give mine.
2: I will give this because I really liked... Uh, Rip Rogers. And I will admit I probably overrated the first match. This one I liked better, but I will also give it a star.
0: No offense to Rip Rogers and James E. Cornett. But I had to rate this an atomic goose egg.
1: Oh no, a dud.
0: I I wasn't into this match. I had a tough time even trying to take a few notes that I did.
2: Yeah, well, Adam Bomb isn't very good.
0: <laughs> so, you know, not, nothing against Rip Rogers, because I know he, yeah, you know, like we discussed, you know, you went from territory to territory and was a great wrestler and was a great trainer and all that. I didn't want to, you know, I got nothing against him, but just Adam Bomb wasn't really that great.
2: Oh, fair enough. I don't think he would, I don't think Rip Rogers would be upset yeah. that you yeah. don't like Adam Bomb.
0: But I used to switch the fans were in, into the match a little bit. So at least somebody was into the match.
2: Well, Adam Baum was. He loved everybody. He was smiling and giggling and all that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at least he was happy, Beverly. Really.
2: Oh, well, he was super happy, man. I don't think there's a happier person in that arena than Adam Baum. Then Vince tells us to stand by. We'll and we'll
0: see some award that Bret Hart got on WWF Super or on WWE Superstars from WWF Magazine.
2: Yes, the People's Award he was given, and Amy was there. Amy was but, in the ring.
0: Then uh, McMahon puts over Bret Hart as a future Hall of Famer, which would happen. You are not going to give any more credit to Amy in the ring here, man? She was kind of cute.
2: Oh, God. She was like five years old.
0: Well, back then. And I was like six, so whatever.
2: Fair enough. Then, so, uh, yeah, man. Heart, well, that was a weird thing i know this whole the heart part and then the lawler part when the king's court started is so strange yeah so
0: uh, well, brett mentioned <laughs> that he wants to become wwf champion again for the third time yeah. then we might as right. well get into the king's court yeah. which is you know with Shawn michaels and uh so like uh, after they showed the clip with brett hart then lawler started to come out then we got to a commercial then we come back and lawler was already in the ring, and, why well, didn't make a comment about Brett Hart winning the, winning the People's Choice Award or whatever? Yep. Then, uh, then Waller was racist. How he said that if the Japanese readers had a chance to vote, Brett wouldn't have won.
2: Waller wasn't racist. He said Hart was racist. Well,
0: I thought Lawler's like comment was racist since he was trying to put Brent as a racist one. <laughs> but whatever. before he got further, or in my notes, before he got future, Sean Michaels came down. <laughs> yes. And, and... It was nice to see Shawn Michaels as an actual participant in the show instead of a color commentator.
1: Oh man, I
2: agree. I so agree. I'm I mean like his his shtick, his words, his promo comes across so much better when he is actually being a performer and not supposed to be a um an announcer. Oh, it's so oh so much better. You know, Beverly. When Shawn Michaels
0: came out, I did some dirty research.
1: Okay. <laughs> On what?
0: Uh one thing that Waller mentioned to Shawn Michaels. Okay. Waller called Shawn Michaels a future World Wrestling Federation champion. Okay. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> That was my dirty research for that episode. You
2: had to do research to figure out that Sean was gonna be the champion again.
0: He wasn't the champion yet up to this point.
2: Oh it it made me laugh
0: seeing that or hearing Lawler call Shawn Michaels a future WWF champion, so it made me laugh that just in his own paragraph I wrote down, Lawler called him a future WWF champion. Fact. Hilarious. You know, Lawler was excited that that Michael, with Michael having Michael as a guest, and that Michael's had some exciting news to share. Yep. Michael's mentioned that ever since he won that 1995 Royal Rumble, he's been a marked man. And that target on his back is becoming worse and worse when it gets closer to WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels said that uh, he can beat anybody in the WWF one-on-one. That's the reason why he feels like it's necessary to have somebody watch his back He wants just that person and do so.
1: And
2: he... Cornette said that he thinks he should get Jeff Galooly to be his bodyguard. Huh. <laughs> Jeff Galooly from Tanya Harding's uh, ex-husband who beat up Nancy Kerrigan. <clears throat> which oh, yeah. at that point would be a year and a half before. So kind of an old... Old reference. Yes.
0: I am sad that Um, Sean McClure's bodyguard wasn't the Beverly bodyguards. (laughs) Right. But it was Psycho Sid. Yes. And and Sid comes out to his own music, and I wanted to ask you, Beverly, was that Sid's music when he had his feud with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania Eight? No. Okay. So I just wanted to ask you if that was just, you know, Sid's uh, new music
2: that he was his son when he came back. Correct. I'm doing a... 90s pay-per-view rewatch while i'm working on my work oh gosh i'm gonna say work so many times this sentence <laughs> working at my on my work at work and <laughs> uh, so i put i've been putting them on in the background and i started it with i started with 91 and i'm in 93 now but uh so yes i watched wrestlemania 8 no that is not the music he came out to
0: and what what was the last time sid was on wwf tv up to this point do you remember uh
2: that? i do not know um okay. he was not i don't again by watching the pay-per-views he wasn't at uh no oh, he wasn't at WrestleMania. I think he was he no he wasn't at royal rumble 93 either um he was not at survivor series 92 was he at SummerSlam 92 I do
0: not know. Can't think off off the top of my head. Well, oh, so he so he was gone somewhere between probably that summer of ninety two. Then
1: give Ye- or take.
2: Yeah, because I think uh, I want to say um, I want to say he was in. He was already into WCW in nineteen.
1: Okay.
0: I was just curious on when uh, when it was the last time Sid was on WWE TV and. At least the last for a sure short pay-per-view he was on would have been wrestling to eight. Right. So Sid said that he's back, and why take the chance on a bodyguard when Diesel turned his back on Shawn Michaels when the times got tough before? Sid, Sid said that they had a talk, and Sid has no feelings and no remorse for anybody. Sid said that he'd be by Shawn Michaels' side at all times, and when times are good and, and times are bad. And with Sid as Shawn Michael's bodyguard, there will be no bad times. <laughs> yeah. Which made me laugh. Right. And with Sean, with we will
2: rule the world. Yep. Because he's the man they call Sid. Because I am the man they call Dog. yes and I wanted to ask you so I just so I did Hill's research Um, apparently Sid uh, failed a drug test before Wrestlemania 8 and he went on the European tour afterward but after the European tour (laughs) after the European tour instead of coming back to WWF he he quit and started playing softball (laughs) that's funny God, the old God Sid loves softball. I don't yeah. think there's anybody I know who loves wrestling and softball as much as Sid, Sid Vicious. And I wanted you ask you
0: talk about Sid in end of the end of the a Kings Court segment. What's your thoughts on them playing Sid's theme song over Shawn Michaels? Take a swig of the Diet Mountain Dew, and what's? I don't thoughts? think it matters. Okay, wanted to ask because I just felt like that was an interesting note that the. Played Sid's music. I always I thought they were trying to get over Sid's music and all that to get people used to his theme song. Well,
2: that's okay, just, that's Instead just me, of talking about Sid's music. Do you think Sid was a good choice for a bodyguard of Michaels, or do you, or would you have gone some other direction? Do you, well, who do you else think?
0: could have been Michael's bodyguard back in '95?
2: Hmm, I don't know. I mean, actually. I, this might be like scraping the bear a little bit, but we saw him on this show. What if it would have been Adam Bomb? I think that might have been an okay... I don't know.
0: I feel like Cid Sid ha, had some kind of name. At least had his name sure. pro wrestling and had an impact in WWE before as in being a wrestling main adventure. Okay. I, yeah, can, like I, can under- I can understand Adam Bomb, but I felt like Sid was a good choice since Sid was another tall guy, as was Diesel, when Diesel was Michaels' bodyguard. And we all know Sid's finish maneuver is a power bomb. Sure. As was Diesel's. Yeah. So to me, I guess I I, I kind of feel like I assume that that's what there's some of the tie-ins they were trying to do with Sean's original bodyguard and this new bodyguard. I I highly doubt they meant it that way, but yeah, I'm I'm seeing those connections.
2: Oh, no, I think I think Sean is one of those wrestlers who really needs a bodyguard, uh, or you know, benefits from it. And I think instead of—and I mean, we already reviewed the one after WrestleMania, so we know Sid turns on him. I think instead of setting one up to have to be like a month, they should have thought maybe a lower card guy to be his bodyguard for an extended amount of time instead of just doing this turn, yeah, a little man car, but not in the cow. Yeah, somebody like a heavier set
0: guy that could do some damage. Yeah, um, kind of like uh, what what's his name? Bray, not Bray Wyatt, uh, the Fukusaurus.
2: Oh yeah, right. When, when he was
0: Miz's bodyguard back, yeah. I think couple three or four years ago, uh, and all that when Miz was champ.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking 95 comma would have been a good one. I think. Yeah, yeah I think he would have been, especially because uh, he he has an impre- like an imposing figure. He looks like a badass. I think that would have been a good one.
0: Yeah, he helped get the good get a rub from Shawn Michaels and all that. You know, being Michaels the second.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I don't. I just. Ugh, I don't think Sid and Shawn work because I I think to be a bodyguard you need to be down the line. Like when we think about. I mean, I think the most famous bodyguard is Mr. Hughes. You know, you don't bring anybody who's uh, who's been a main eventer. Main eventers aren't bodyguards. I think Sid's a bad choice for main event. Yeah,
0: do you feel like, like Diesel was a good choice when he was brought in originally?
2: Oh yeah, hundred percent in '93 because Diesel—that was his debut. He hadn't been—he hadn't made a vent at WrestleMania two years Fair ago. Off. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why I think Sid was kind of an awful choice. So,
0: so Kama may have been a better choice then.
2: Yeah, or one of those other guys. Okay. I don't know.
0: So, Rod goes to commercial break. Yep, and main event status radio will also take a break at the count of one. Sounds good. One.
2: Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
0: And we're on break here on Made Event Status Radio. I am the dirty dog, Darcy. As you guys know, I'm here to plug our stuff. You can listen to us at our website, madeeventstatus.com, soundcloud.com slash radio or on iTunes, search us out in the library, Mid Event Status Radio. Again, you can listen to us too at MadeEventStatus.com, SoundCloud.com slash Made Event Status Radio, or on iTunes, search us out in the library, we'll subscribe to us, rate us, review us, because we want to beat the Ross Report Interim Ross's saucy attitude. You can also like us on Facebook facebook.com slash minimum status radio that's all one word again that's facebook.com slash minimum status radio or you can uh, follow us on twitter for Beverly Hills it's Beverly Hills M-E-S or for me the Dirty Dog Darcy it's at Dirty Dog M-E-S and dog as in T-A-W-G. Dirty Dog M-E-S on the twitter let's get back to the show
1: All right, we're
2: back. Minimum Status Radio. Hope you enjoyed the commercial break. Um, he is Jacob. I am Eli. We are the Blue Brothers on your podcast. I am happy you didn't say you were Leroy Howard. I was Mark Starr. <laughs> uh, that probably would have been more uh, appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: is true. Yes. So that I'll set up our next match. The Blue. The Blues Brothers. Jacob and Eli brew with Uncle Zebekiah Yep. Against Leroy Howard and Mark Starr. I know this is a second match of uh, that we reviewed of Leroy Howard's.
2: Yes. Have we reviewed a match with uh, Mark Starr before? I don't think we've done a Mark Starr match before. Do you know who Mark Starr is? I've seen him a million times. He was a he was a jobber that was on TV all the time in the '90s when I was watching. I mm-hmm. uh, don't know too much else about him. But, so just
0: as yeah. jobber of the '90s.
2: Oh, yeah. Mark Sharp. So we saw saw Jacob and Eli on Royal Rumble 95. It seems as if they've, I don't know if they were portraying the same character during Royal Rumble 95, but it seems like they have gone kind of undergone a character change in that time.
0: Well, I guess they really hadn't had much time to really chance to play a character in the Rumble, though.
2: Yeah, but, the, you know, in that time, they were just kind of, like, men. big bruisers, and yeah. this one, they're definitely portraying the kind of backwoods, kind of creepy bumpkin thing.
0: Well, yeah, I guess, Well, it's yeah, so like, you know, so in like the rumble, it's like, McMahon, well, I could have been wrong, but McMahon kind of played off that they were mountain men. And A all little
2: that. bit, but he didn't really go into it.
0: Yeah, well, the the last, the impression, I, impression I picked up, and here kind of like what you said, they felt like they're more, maybe you know, pumpkins uh, from Kentucky backwoods somewhere.
2: The Appalachian Mountains. Whatever. <laughs> well, they said I, it. I I couldn't remember, I can't, I can't remember what the, the names of yeah, the Appalachian, Appalachian Mountains. Those are different than the Smoky Mountains, Cornett says, because in the Co- Smoky Mountains they cook their food, and in the Appalachian Mountains they just catch it and eat it.
0: I'm sorry. Whatever, Beverly.
2: (laughs) So it seems like they're building up the Blues here for a kind of headline tag team run here. They they are giving them a lot of character, um, presenting it that they should be that the rest of the tag team division should be scared of them because they you know they're they're these backwoods uh, scary guys. They got uh, Uncle Zebakaya. Uncle Zebakayo is uh, leading them, all that kind of stuff. If you guys
0: didn't know, Uncle Zeb, also is a modern day Zeb Coulter, but is Dirty Dutch mental.
2: Yes, correct. correct. Do you,
0: I don't think I don't think we have talked about Dirty Dutch yet on the podcast, Beverly.
2: Probably not. What's
0: your thoughts on Dirty Dutch?
2: Uh it's he's a really good uh, interview. Um, he made. Jack Swagger, stomachable, <laughs> which he's not usually. Yeah. And he made that character. He's, uh, I, d- in, in watching things from the 80s, that was, he's been pretty good on that stuff too. Um, yeah. Just kind of one of those uh, kind of fringe guys who I think his, um, his size maybe prevented him from ever being a a star in either WCW or um WWF.
0: Makes sense. And I on, know on one thing I noted when the Blues brothers were coming out was McMahon plugs a hotline number. And all that fun stuff. Then I guess if we call the number, nine one nine hundred seven two seven four WWF, this week you can hear stories of Lux Luger hanging out with some football star over the Super Bowl weekend, which whose name I didn't catch.
2: I didn't um, either I don't listen to the uh, hotline plugs because I don't care about them.
0: Fair enough. And uh, Vince asked us how we can tell the Blues Brothers apart, and I have no clue.
2: No. Yeah. That was just kind of a joke throughout the whole thing. Cornette would just be like, oh, there's that. There he is.
0: <laughs> yes. And uh, we go to Todd Pentingale with a split screen, and Todd's saying that he's trying to get LT on the phone. And mm-hmm. people said that LT will appear on Monday Night Raw next week to respond yep. to the B- bammer.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's cool. I'm with that. What's your that thoughts part.
0: on them doing split screens during matches to push other storylines?
2: It's fine. This is a jobber match.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask. So, and I I didn't have a problem with it during this match either. But just, just you know, if they would have done that during the next match, I would have been that would kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Right,
2: right. So this is just a straight up squash. We got the blues throwing around uh, Lee Roy and Mark Star. Um, couple good-looking double big boots they had uh, they double big booted Leroy at the beginning they double big booted uh, star while he was tied in the ropes kind of the extent of the Harris twins offense is the double big boots so um, <laughs> it would make sense that that's uh, the big uh, point of their match um just after a few minutes they one of them hits a tilt the whirl slam on a star and then a, a big leg drop and there's your win The winners are the Blues Brothers, and
0: Beverly, what is your rating for this match?
2: I'm going to go quarter of a star.
0: My rating for this match is my prescription medication, Beverly, because this match made me depressed. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to do something goofy since I rated the previous match on atomic dud. (laughs) Atomic dud. So, yeah, this is, to me, another dud match. Whatever.
2: Yep, and after the win, the Blues are confused by the camera, which, which I think was may, funny. Which, yeah, I, I got a good chuckle out of that, too. <laughs> I, I liked it. And then Zab drags them away by their hair. Oh, <laughs> More character development in the Blues in these two minutes than a lot of guys get in six months. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, Vince tells us to stand by again, and we watched of video footage of, of of some NBA jam from the from sometime recently with diesel from the weekend before or something like that from the NBA all- star weekend
2: yeah, man. he's at the slam jam. he's hanging with so many people he's hanging with salt and pepper, um Tatiana Ali from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Jenna van Oy from Blossom Come on Blossom! By how, the way.
0: B- how big was the NBA slam jam back then? Was it pretty popular? Obviously,
2: it always is. Is also, it so? Is it's it's it so, back in, Sorry, is it still going on? Now it is. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was last weekend. Well, I'm sorry uh, that I'm Minnesota st- of Timberwolves won the slam dunk competition. Well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm out of the sports bubble, Beverly Hills. You are. Um hey, a visit man.
0: At called- least- at least I talked about Saturday night live at the opening of the podcast. Right. Vince
2: man called Jenna Van Oy, Jennifer Van Oy. is <laughs> awesome cuz she's more popular than Diesel or any of his stars at this time. Um Cal Ripken was there, David Justice was there, whatever. But the funny thing is is like I think they were trying to present it or like tr- show clips that presented like Diesel as a star or like that these guys were like buddies with him, but it Clearly, it was extremely clear that Diesel had just like approached these people when they were signing autographs, and they were just like taking pictures together. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was awesome. They're like, hey, look at Diesel with this friend, Cal Ripken. At it's, least they're trying to put over their WWF champion. I know, but I mean, it's just funny. <laughs> that it, you know, they're trying to make it look like he's such a big star, but it's clear that he's just like in their autograph line.
0: Yeah. <laughs> then we go to a commercial, and we come back with pyro going off, putting over the WWF title match, which I was pretty right. excited about. What's your thoughts on, you know, how they had a spotlight in the middle of the ring and they showed uh, a spotlight of the WWF title? Liked it. Yeah, same here. I don't remember them ever doing that before or since. None. No, not. So, so we get for our main event of the night <laughs> the WWF title match here on Monday Night Raw episode ninety nine with Challenger, the Intercontinental Champion, Jeff Jarrett with his roadie, the roadie, against yep. WWF champion, Big Daddy Cool. <laughs> yep. What's your thoughts on champion versus champion matches, Beverly?
2: Um they're cool. It it's tough to make a finish out of them is the only thing because you either have to do a non finish or you generally your higher champion's gonna win but then how do you keep your other ones strong so they're a tough beast to perfect
0: yeah I can I can see your point because I thought the one the only time was. I used to memory that they'd done a great job on doing champion versus champion matches or WrestleMania six with ultimate warrior, yeah. you know, as intercontinental champion deep defeating WWF champion Hulk Hogan and winning the WWF title.
2: Yeah. But see then what's, what's the difference between that and this or most versus uh, uh, champion matches? I feel like the, at least,
0: uh, lower card champion was put over. In that match,
2: well, the difference is that Hogan leaves. Fair he's enough. not he's not around after it, so you don't have to worry about keeping one strong or making one look stronger. If yeah, if one of them leaves, well, then it's really easy. It's it, it, it <laughs> so booked, if booked right, yeah. Champion because you just, you just have the one who's going to stay around to win.
0: Fair enough, yeah. Then I uh, your you know since we always talk about Jeff a uh, attire whenever he makes an appearance on the series. What's your thoughts on Jeff Jarrett's gold star and leopard print on white n- white nipple cage tights? Well,
2: the biggest thing is that <coughs> the nipple cage gets broken halfway through.
0: Well, if not right towards the start of the match, yeah. Breaks the cage, man. Breaks the I cage. Guess Big Daddy Cool. We'll also see some Big Daddy nipples. Oh God! <laughs> that was the line. It's I out of the tires that we've seen of Jeff Jarrett so far in the series, I'm happy that like he's always changed up the tires every week that he's on. You don't care, I know. Whatever. Right. I guess I'm kind of, kind of like seeing that in my in my characters.
2: And I like to pay attention more to the wrestling. Yes,
0: and we finally see a Diesel match on Raw on the yeah. series.
2: I'm quite pleased about that. I'm so happy that we finally get a Diesel match.
0: And I know I'm probably the only one who noticed this, but how last week on the episode, in the interview segment, he had the goatee. It seemed like between then and this episode, he shaved it off, and he started to let his beard grow in.
2: Correct. You're the only one who noticed that. What can I say?
0: Then uh, Cornet put over that uh, Jared has to work on Diesel's legs, if, nope. if Jarrett wants to win the WWF title tonight, which is one thing I appreciate Cornette on the, on the color as a color man compared to Shawn Michaels.
2: Yes. That was some really good commentary. I'm definitely with that. That's, you know, identify calling back to the diesel interview from last week where he says that he had nine, uh, knee surgeries. um, you know, working with that, I thought that was a really good comment, and I noticed that one as well.
0: And I felt like the, the match starts out and starts out, uh, starts out with the House of Fire, and Diesel had the early advantage. Yep. And another comment that oh, Cornet made, which to put Cornet over, that the shorter the matches, the better advantage Diesel would have to win. Yep,
2: which is also a good insight, accurate. Which I can't
0: see Shawn Michaels doing if Shawn Michaels was the colored guy for this match.
2: No, because Shawn Michaels is the worst. Yes.
0: Then uh, one move Diesel did, which I really enjoyed, was uh, the foot chokehold in the corner move that he does.
2: Yep. Which I That's really, really enjoyed. moves. Yeah, Rhodey's trying to interfere. I like it. Um He's trying to get involved in the beginning, but he's thrown out. Later, he does hit him with a flying clothesline, which was good.
0: Yes, which I really enjoy.
2: Oh, yeah, big time.
0: Oh well, One thing that made me laugh was Jeff Jarrett was calling for a timeout when he was on his back in the apron.
2: Now that's a Ric Flair ripoff.
0: Yes. <laughs> but,
2: yeah, that made me laugh and,
0: and all that fun stuff. I, I like the, those kind of cowardly heels.
2: Okay, sure. Yeah. No, I won't. heels should be cowardly.
0: Then what's your thoughts on the tug of war that Diesel and Rody did with Jeff Jarrett? I can't say I recall it. <laughs> it was right on after when uh when uh Jeff Jarrett was on his back, you know, calling for a timeout. Diesel grabbed him to pull him back in, then Rody grabbed Jeff Jarrett to, you know, pull him back outside and. Diesel and Roddy were having a tug of war, and Diesel even dr- drug both guys into the ring, and the crowd popped for it and made me laugh.
1: Okay.
0: Then we go to a commercial break, and we come back, and Diesel was talking to the Roddy and all that, and Jeff hurt ran up and uh, shoulder blocked him to the outside.
2: Yes, uh huh, yep.
0: Then the Roddy jumped on the apron and jumped off and attacked, or jumped onto the That's- apron and jumped off it to attack Diesel.
2: Yep, yeah, that's what I was talking about—the fine clothesline from the yes. roadie. Yes.
0: So I'm finally caught up with you on your notes.
2: I <laughs> didn't take much. I yeah. don't like. I don't like Diesel.
0: Fair enough. Then, uh, don't,
2: it still matches. Jeff Jarrett
0: seemed to attack Diesel with a, on a serious fashion, putting on how serious the WWF title seemed to be. Then some other stuff happened, I and mean, we might as well just get to the finish, which. Uh, let's see where is the finish. Okay, Jeff Jarrett hit off the rope, hit the ropes, and got caught in a sidewalk slam. And let's see, Jarrett hit a few right hands, and or some few right hands was hit, all that. Then Jarrett got hit with Snake Eyes, the big D hit with the big boot, and Diesel caught, or taunted the crowd, saying that he's gonna hit the jackknife, which he did and got the victory. Yep, hit the power bomb for the win. So I rated this match, Beverly, one and one half star.
2: What you say? You said you like loved it earlier, and you you rated it one and a half stars. I
0: I was excited to see this match up to the actual match time. Oh, when this match happened, I was let down, to be honest. Oh, okay, all right. I felt like the Owen Hart Diesel match that we caught from Action Zone that we reviewed last week, whenever it was. Fuck that match was a lot better than this match. Yes. You know, obviously, Owen Hart, I'm, I know you'll agree with me on this, Owen Hart is a better in-ring performer than Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. And I felt like Owen Hart helped hide Diesel's weaknesses and shut off his strengths.
2: Sure. And yeah, no, I would I would completely agree with you on that
0: one. How would you rate this match, Beverly?
2: I also rated it one and a half. I was surprised that you were low on it. Like well, I was. I
0: guess I was excited at the start because in 95 it seemed like Champion versus champion matches were rare than it is in twenty fifteen and all that. I was excited to see how they played this. And, granted you know, Jeff Jarrett, depending on who he's in the ring with, can be a great performer and all that. Nice, in my opinion, I might yep. get some heat for he that. Can oh, he can be, and you know, it, with Diesel, depending on who he's in the ring with, he can put on a decent match. Yep, and you know, all if he's motivated and you know, like I said, said with the match that we saw with Owen Hart from Action Zone and. The Rumble match with Brett were two good matches. So I was kinda hoping to he's,
2: He he oh I don't know if I would say he's a true broomstick. He's like kind of a negative broomstick because he's a little worse than like zero. You gotta be really good to drag a good match out of Diesel. And like like you said, Owen Hart can pass a negative broomstick test. Brett can pass a negative broomstick test. Jarrett cannot quite.
0: Yeah, so that's why I wasn't as high on it as I was going going into this.
2: Okay, sure. No, I'm with that. that
0: after, after the match, Roddy ran in and tried to beat up Diesel for his, you know, Diesel and all that. Then, and Rody went on to run with a jackknife power bomb. Well, we first got a big, first got a big boot, then a jackknife power bomb. Yes. So then Shine and Sid had come down the darkened aisle, and Diesel didn't know they were until the spotlights were on him.
2: Yes, and then he smirked. Yes.
0: <laughs> and this is when I got pissed off Beverly Hills.
2: Oh, really? Okay. We go oh, to a commercial sorry.
0: break, and we come back from the commercial break, and Shine Michaels and Sid are still in the aisle with, and no Diesel.
2: <laughs> really?
0: Where in the hell did he go? You <laughs> he, he evaporated. I was sorry, but stuff like that kinda of bothers me a little bit.
2: Well, clearly, because how do you get away? Exactly. That's
0: what kinda of pissed me off. Like the announcers did not even mention anything about it. Well, I didn't even notice. I guess to me stuff like that are to me that's a big old logical and stuff like that bothers me.
1: Yeah.
0: So and all that, so we yeah we come back from commercial break and Jim Cornette is handed a mic and Vince asked him how many mics does he need and Cornette said that LT Butter apologized next week and Diesel left the ring while Shot and Sid were still in the middle of the ring which I or when Sean and in the middle of the aisleway which I mentioned and uh, Sean and Sid, Sid started to walk down to the ring slowly and Jim Cornette was starting to freak out about that because he doesn't want to talk to them because Sid is nuts. Yes. Then, uh, let's see, Sean said that that's why, oh yeah, Sean mentioned that's why he chose him, because it is nuts. Then Michael said he doesn't want to be in Diesel's shoes, and he found somebody who can do more than fill his shoes. He can knock him out of them.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: And McMahon yes. tells us that we will see LT next week. I'm L- excited. Luger and Tatanka will battle again next week. Then uh-huh. we get a video package build up Luger and Tatanka with Todd Pettengill talking about it, and they even uh, pulled into their their uh, storyline last year that we talked about a little bit earlier, like earlier in the early days of the podcast yep. of uh, Tatanka turning yep, sure. on Luger and all that, and so that would be the big match on the 100th episode of Monday Night Raw, Tatanka versus Lux Luger.
2: This is really a long, long story everything with Tatanka and Luger it's they've really gotten the good treatment there because if you even go back Tatanka and Luger that was Luger's first WWF pay-per-view match WrestleMania 9 was it so yeah yeah i thought Tatanka fought uh Tutankin, oh gosh no you're right he fought Michaels yeah. uh, uh Luger who was Luger against
0: Luger i think just posed on
2: wasn't no, perfect not in- no, he faced Mr. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what's I, your th- what's your thoughts on the 99th episode of Monday Night Raw, Beverly?
2: Um, you know, just like you said, it start on paper was a better than execution. But it, at the same rate, is probably the second best Raw we've watched in this series. Second only to the um first Summit show. Oh, with a uh, Razor Owen match? Yes. Yeah, cause I was
0: thinking about that last night, too. You know, getting, you know, thinking over the show for that the we re- just reviewed that. Yeah, I was just trying to think of what some of the better matches that we've seen so far in this series. And a couple matches from the summit, se- I do feel like were better, the better matches that we've seen so far, excluding the pay-per-view. Right. So we might as well take our, take our final break. And all that for the podcast, we'll be back. Stand by.
1: The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order.
2: He then talked about the Hulkamania stroke, which sounds lewd.
1: Someone needs to make a song out
2: of the Hulkamania stroke.
1: Yes. Let me ask you a question, Hokey. Are you a bad guy or a good guy? Well, on camera, brother, I'm a great guy. But when the camera goes off, brother... Oh, It's a different story, brother.
2: Oh, brother! All right, we're back for the thrilling conclusion of main event status. Twenty-seven. Yes, the twenty-seventh
0: episode.
2: (laughs) Wow! Exciting. Almost as many episodes as I have years on this earth.
0: Yes. Exciting, Beverly.
2: So I can never remember. Do we do jobber first? Yes. Yes. Okay. My jobber
0: Jabber. is Gary Saba or Gary. Oh. What's his name?
1: No way.
0: Yes. For get, getting the early advantage on the babber during the video packages and being bammed <laughs> out of raw.
2: My jobber is <laughs> Anthony Campari for trying to file a cease and desist order against WWF. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, Anthony, what's your name? <laughs> if you learn anything from the state or from the country of the United States and their government, you will lose against Vince McMahon.
2: <laughs> yeah, accurate.
0: My mid event status star Beverly thrills. I know you will not argue with. Okay. The Louisville slugger himself, James E. Cornet. Good choice. I felt like he played off great at the end of the end of the night when Sid and Sean were walking over. That Sid is nuts, and I felt like you know, like what you you mentioned that we've talked about before earlier in the earlier than cast that he was putting over different superstars and you know tied in storylines and angles where Sean wouldn't have done if Sean was with in a play by play booth with Vince. Right. So I, I at first, last week when you mentioned that. Jim Cornette will be joining us, you know, as a color guy. I wasn't too thrilled at that time, but now after I chilled with James E. for an hour, I was excited, Mr. Hills.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, 100%. <laughs> Who's your main inventor, Beverly. Um, my main adventure is Sid. I thought this was an impressive debut from him. Although you know, I said th- like I said earlier, I don't know if he was the best choice for a bodyguard of Shawn Michaels. I do think he's doing a really good job, at least in this first week of being the bodyguard for Shawn Michaels. So uh, yeah, I th- I thought he uh, is playing his psycho character uh, accurately. All that,
0: I'm with it. So I guess we can both say that we're excited to see the following weeks where both our main event status stars will take us
2: yes I like
0: it so we might as well do our past to present segment Beverly Thrills alright uh, we kind of talked about this already so which I agree with um, I, well you know with the Intercontinental Champion against WWF Champion do you f- let's see I guess we talked about that so we don't, I don't need to ask that What's your thoughts on the rotation of color commentators, as we saw with Jim Cornett and Shawn Michaels?
2: Um, so how is this to past to or present? Like, should we well, do it do now, you, or what? I guess, do you feel like
0: that... Do you feel like so far is benefited the 1995 product, and do you feel like that could help out in 2015?
2: Um, I don't know. I'm of two minds on this. Uh, I think consistency is important, and... Uh, um, you know, having one consistent voice is like I said, important. And I think something that, you know, you can tune in cause you know, this person's going to be on there, whatever, whatever. Um, but also on the same token, I do like it when different folks, uh, step in and it you know, I I watched one time at your house, I wa- brought a Chikara DVD, and they, they do the rotating color commentator pretty regularly uh, to the point where a lot of times it's a different person each match. And that's fun, I mean, to have a different person on um, for each match. So, I mean, to, you know, like we have each show here in 1995. But um, for the most part, I like just one. Uh, not not really rotating. How about you? I guess depending on who it is,
0: um, I guess I do agree with you that I I prefer it to be one consistent voice. Yeah, at least we have, at least we have Vince as a play by play man. Besides just the first week that we have, we're having Vince as a consistent play by play man. I feel like depending on who we get put in with Vince as a good team. I felt like Sean was a good good partner, but. At times, but Sean didn't help advance the storylines like Cornette did. So I feel like if Cornette would have been the, the would have been the would have been the play by or the color guy for the whole through the whole series, I would have enjoyed it probably more than Sean. But I do see where you are coming from though on on having the same color guy the whole time. Sure. So I guess my last don't we kind of talked about the bodyguards in pro wrestling. Ready for so this be my last question. Do you feel like bodyguards and pro wrestling could work nowadays?
2: See, that was going to be mine, too. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask, who do you think needs a bodyguard in 2015? I feel like
0: nowadays with Seth Rollins and Jane Chase security, they're doing a great modern version of, of what we saw to, saw for review for this podcast with Sid and, with Sid and Sean.
2: Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a variant of the bodyguard gimmick. It's not the
0: you got to know, those two aren't bodyguards, but I feel right. like the it's a kind of like a twist, a modern twist to it. I feel like J and J Security do are doing a great job on helping advance Seth Rollins as the next top heel going down down the road for the future.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't especially like. It that over the last couple months they're kind of making them like mentally deficient
1: Yeah,
2: like, <laughs> like that they're like special needs or something I like it better when it when they're smart and that, like because I think that's uh, um, I don't know like again I think since they're smaller or whatever they should be using their smarts to do it um, I, I like bodyguards I think it's a good way for smaller heels to work Because a lot of times that does not just on, you know, by nature, smaller people, it's hard for them to be bullies. But when they have a big bodyguard, that really changes the dynamic because, you know, now they talk a big game, but they can't back it up. But they have a big guy behind them to back them up, which I think is all like always works. And for the short time that they did it, I thought Brian Kendrick with Ezekiel Jackson worked. Um,
0: totally you know, forgot, totally forgot about that pairing, but I totally agree with you on that.
2: Uh, yep. So I mean, it can. I think it can certainly work in twenty fifteen. Okay.
0: Then, if you know, kind of, you know, since we're talking about Seth Rollins, and I can kind of see uh, similarities between Seth Rollins and you know, from in twenty fifteen to Shawn Michaels in ninety five. Who do you feel like could be a good bodyguard for Seth Rollins nowadays?
2: Um. Well, they have like. 10,000 big guys in NXT that they can bring up and be bodyguards. Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) So would you you
0: rather have like a taller guy like Sid as as, uh,
2: Seth Rollins' bodyguard? Just someone who's imposing. I mean, almost every – since Seth Rollins, just his height – whatever he's a smaller guy pretty much anybody's going to be bigger but it doesn't necessarily have to be just someone who's imposing who casts kind of a striking figure like i mean Br- bray wyatt isn't necessarily the tallest guy but he casts an imposing figure like for instance okay or like
0: i guess you know it would have been you know they would have to take him off tv for a while but like Carp or eric Rowan, and then come back and be seth Rollins' bodyguards or something
2: Yep, I can see Luke Harper working as a bodyguard. In fact, like, back in the day, like a few years ago, before he even joined NXT again, I don't know why Shikara is really striking in my mind, but... Um, Luke Harper was tag team partners with a guy called Grizzly, Grizzly Redwood, who was super tiny, like tiny, 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 and he was a lumberjack. And then Luke Harper portrayed basically the same – he had a different name, but he basically did the same thing he's doing now, um, and that worked really well. Makes sense. Then, do you have any uh, past or present questions or anything, Beverly? Um no, because my, my question was the bodyguard thing. So
0: <laughs> I'm sorry I took your thunder, Beverly.
2: No worries, man. No worries. It just means we're on the same page. I, I like it when we're on the same page. Exactly. No, for real. So do you
0: have anything to or any final comments or anything, Beverly?
2: Uh I do not.
0: So we might as well wrap it up for the for the week, Beverly. Sure. For Mr Beverly Hills, I'm the Dirty Dog Darcy. We we'll talk to you guys next time on Made Event Status Radio.
2: Have fun. Love your neighbor.